Chapter 29 of A Gossip in the First Decade of Victoria's Reign by John Ashton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 29 Medals for Army and Navy, Grenville Library, Day of Fasting, Binding of Satan, Suspension of Transportation, New House of Lords, Jenny Lind, Bunn versus Lind, Jenny Linden, Death of O'Connell, Story of the Duke of Buckley, Abolition of Eton Montem. At this time, at all events, we did not plaster our soldiers with medals for every trifling deed of duty, and it was not until January of this year that a commission was appointed to decide upon the medals which were to be presented to the officers and men who served in the peninsula under Wellington and other commanders and it was not till the first of june that an order was issued from the horse guards that claims might be sent in by those who were present in battles from seventeen ninety three to eighteen fourteen or rather the list began with maida eighteen o six and ended with toulouse eighteen fourteen the medals for naval service began with the glorious first of june seventeen ninety four and ended with the fight between the endymion and president on twenty five january eighteen fifteen the medal for waterloo was granted some long time afterwards in january the british museum received the splendid bequest of the library of thomas grenville esq who died seventeen december eighteen forty six this magnificent library of over twenty thousand volumes valued at the very low estimate of fifty thousand pounds contains two copies of the mazarin bible one on vellum a first folio of shakespeare caxton's reynard the fox and countless other literary treasures and rarities he had intended to leave this library to the duke of buckingham but reflecting that as most of the books had been paid for with the proceeds of a sinecure office chief justice in ayr south of the trent of two thousand pounds a year which he had held from eighteen hundred to eighteen seventeen when it was abolished he felt it only just that they should be given to the nation who had virtually paid for them with them came as curator his valet mr holden who remained with his master's beloved books until three or four years since on nine march a royal proclamation was issued for a day of fasting and humiliation on account of the famine and distress in ireland and it was duly kept on the day set apart for it twenty four march there is a curious paragraph in the times of twenty three march binding of satan during the past two or three weeks a number of persons have been going round the streets on the surrey side of the water wearing belts like those worn by the fire brigade on which passages from the scriptures are painted carrying with them an inkhorn and long sheets of paper soliciting signatures to what they pretend to be a petition to heaven for the binding of satan the prince of darkness so eager are those persons to get the paper signed that men women and children are stopped indiscriminately and requested to sign those who are too young to sign or unable to write their names have the same done for them by the men who do not attempt to disguise the fact of belonging to the followers of joanna southcote upon several occasions a great deal of confusion has been created by the parties for they generally manage to go about with knots of forty or fifty persons and occasionally discussions ensue which are calculated to bring the scriptures into perfect ridicule 
one person more intelligent than the persons who are hawking the petitions about inquired who it is that will present the petition when the man replied with the greatest coolness that as soon as a sufficient number of names are attached to the petition it will be presented to the throne of mercy by joanna southcote herself surely it is high time that such exhibitions were put down by the police early in april a circular from the home secretary was forwarded to the magistrates of the various jails telling them that in consequence of the suspension of transportation of male convicts to van diemen's land it would be requisite for them to make immediate provision for the confinement and employment in this country of a great number of such offenders on the fourteenth of april the queen paid a visit of inspection to the new house of lords and on the next day the peers took possession of it and transacted business there for the first time talk of gossip was there ever such food for it as the arrival of jenny lind it was a furor a madness she arrived in london late on the afternoon of april seventeen and was present in the evening at the performance at her majesty's theatre on may four she made her first appearance on the stage in england in this theatre where she played in robert le diable and from that moment until the end of the season nothing else was thought of nothing else talked of but jenny lind and it was no short-lived fit of enthusiasm for she was the favourite of the public until her retirement her beautiful voice and simplicity of manner charming every one from royalty downwards unfortunately her debut was somewhat marred by a pecuniary squabble between her and bunn the operatic poet a rival impresario lumley having secured her services here is punch's version of the squabble jenny lenden a dreadful engagement between the swedish nightingale and the poet bunn on lind when drury's sun was low and bootless was the wild beast show the lessee counted for a flow of rhino to the treasury but jenny lind whose wakened sight saw drury in a proper light refused for any sum per night to sing at the menagerie with rage and ire in vain displayed each super drew his wooden blade in fury half and half afraid for his prospective salary bun in a flaming frenzy flew and speedily the goose quill drew with which he was accustomed to pen such a deal of poetry he wrote the maiden to remind her of a compact she had signed to drury lane's condition blind and threatened law accordingly fair as in face in nature she implored the man to set her free assuring him that he would be remunerated handsomely two thousand pounds she offered so that he would only let her go bun who would have his bond said no with dogged pertinacity and now his action let him bring and try how much the law will wring from her to do the handsome thing who had proposed so readily the swedish nightingale to cage he failed she sought a fitting stage and left him to digest his rage and seek his legal remedy then shook the house with plaudits riven when jenny's opening note was given the sweetest songstress under heaven forth bursting into melody but fainter the applause shall grow as waning drury's wild beast show and feebler still shall be the flow of rhino to the treasury footnote 
the case of bunn v lind came on in the court of queen's bench on twenty two february eighteen forty eight damages laid at ten thousand pounds the jury found a verdict for the plaintiff and the case was ultimately settled for a payment of two thousand pounds the opera triumphs lumley brave thy bacon thou shalt more than save wave london all thy kerchiefs wave and cheer with all thy chivalry tis night and still yon star doth run but all in vain for treasure done and mr hughes the poet bun and quadrupeds and company for sweden's nightingale so sweet their fellowship had been unmeet the sawdust beneath whose feet hath been the drama's sepulchre died on fifteenth may at genoa on his route to rome aged seventy-two daniel o'connell the erst uncrowned king of ireland who during his lifetime had been a thorn and a very troublesome one in the side of every english government his heart was forwarded to rome but his body was embalmed and in due time was sent to ireland for internment the liverpool albion quoted in the times of fourteenth may is responsible for the following story some time ago the duke of buccleugh in one of his walks purchased a cow from a person in the neighbourhood of dalcleath and left orders to send it to his palace on the following morning according to agreement the cow was sent and the duke who happened to be en deshabille and walking in the avenue espied a little fellow ineffectually attempting to drive the animal to its destination the boy not knowing the duke bawled out to him hi mon come here and guess a ham with this beast the duke saw the mistake and determined to have a joke with the little fellow pretending therefore not to understand him the duke walked on slowly the boy still craving his assistance at last he cried in a tone of apparent distress come here mon and help us and sure as anything i'll give you half i get this last solicitation had the desired effect the duke went and lent a helping hand and now said the duke as they trudged along how much do you think you will get for this job ah dinna ken said the boy but i am sure of something for the folk up at the house are good to all bodies as they approached the house the duke darted from the boy and entered by a different way he called a servant and put a sovereign into his hand saying give that to the boy that has brought the cow the duke returned to the avenue and was soon rejoined by the boy well now how much did you get said the duke a shilling said the boy and there's the half of it to ye but surely you got more than a shilling said the duke no said the boy with the utmost earnestness as sure as death that's all i got and do you think it's a plenty i do not said the duke there must be some mistake and as i am acquainted with the duke if you return i think i'll get you more the boy consented back they went the duke rang the bell and ordered all the servants to be assembled now said the duke to the boy point out the person who gave you the shilling it was that chap there with the apron pointing to the butler the delinquent confessed fell on his knees and attempted an apology but the duke interrupted him indignantly ordering him to give the boy the sovereign and quit his service instantly you have lost said the duke your money your situation and your character by your covetousness learn henceforth that honesty is the best policy 
the boy by this time recognized his assistant in the person of the duke and the duke was so delighted with the sterling worth and honesty of the boy that he ordered him to be sent to school kept there and provided for at his own expense eton montem was abolished this year it was a triennial custom and had for its purpose the presentation of a sum of money to the captain of the school on his departure to the university every third year on whitson tuesday some of the eton boys clad in fancy costume as is here given from the montem of eighteen forty four went to salt hill and the neighbourhood generally and levied contributions or salt from all passers-by the custom led to grave abuses and the provost and headmaster determined that it should end but that the boy who benefited by it should not be a loser the latter dr hartray gave him two hundred pounds out of his own pocket the following is an account of the death and burial of eton montem tuesday twenty five may this being the day on which the triennial festival of montem would have been celebrated at eton and salt hill had it not been abolished by the provost and the authorities of eton considerable excitement prevailed in the vicinity of the college from an early hour this morning in consequence from rumours which had been in circulation for some time past of its being apprehended that some demonstration would be made by the boys assisted by several old etonians from oxford and cambridge who are strongly opposed to the abolition of the ceremony which might lead to a breach of the peace with the exception of about a thousand small squares of glass being demolished in the vicinity of the lower school and similar breakages but to a much smaller extent at the houses of parties who were supposed to be in favour of the determination which had been come to by the provost we have heard of no demonstration of a riotous character on the part of the boys this being a whole holiday several of the head boys had permission to proceed in boats up the thames for the day as far as clefton between one hundred and two hundred have also left for the whitsun holidays thus thinning the number remaining at college to a considerable extent as soon as absence had been called by the headmaster the rev dr hawtrey shortly after twelve o'clock the boys numbering between two hundred and three hundred formed in procession in the playing fields and marched across the fields preceded by a black flag to the celebrated mont at salt hill they were joined by a great many of the old etonians from the universities of oxford and cambridge who arrived at eton this morning each wore on his left arm a band and rosette of black crepe and many had white hat-bands and scarves as they were seen wending their way towards salt hill they had all the appearance of mourners merry though they might be in a funeral procession upon their arrival at the mount the black flag was waved in solemn silence and afterwards placed on the summit drooping on the ground typical of the lost glories of montem the large party then proceeded to bottoms at the windmill hotel whence after partaking of a luncheon they again returned to the mount and with the flag retraced their steps back to college a match at cricket was played during the day between the oxonians and the present etonians in the shooting fields attached to the college a splendid cold collation was provided in the evening for the players by mr clark of the christopher inn 
the waiters who attended upon the guests were compelled to wear black crepe upon their arms in keeping as it was observed with the solemnity of the occasion such were the fears entertained by some of the college authorities that a disturbance might take place in the course of the day that a strong body of the metropolitan a division of police was stationed at slough in plain clothes as we are informed to be in readiness to assist the local authorities in the event of their services being required it being expected that a mob composed of the idle and lazy of the two towns might in the course of the evening show some disposition to create a disturbance the abolition of montem is not only considered to be a most unpopular proceeding on the part of the old and present etonians but also by the tradesmen of eton and windsor amongst the former of whom a large sum of money was triennially circulated both before and during the festival punch has a lament on it of which i reproduce three verses say hill of salt for thou hast seen full many a noble race do what might be considered mean in any other case with cap in hand and courtly leg waylay the traveller and beg say was it not a pleasing sight those young etonians to behold for eleemosynary gold arrest the passing white whilst some of more excursive bent their vagrant arts to ply to all the various places went that in the neighbourhood lie to datchet slough or horton they or e'en to colnick took their way or ancient windsor's regal town stopped every body they could meet knocked at each house in every street in hopes of half a crown gay clothes were theirs by fancy made some were as romans dressed some in the grecian garb arrayed some bore the knightly crest theirs was attire of every hue of every fashion old or new various as nathan's ample store angelic beings ladies say will ye let these things pass away must montem be no more from this to the accession of the queen there is no more gossip to chronicle End of chapter 29 End of A Gossip in the First Decade of Victoria's Reign by John Ashton